Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Here on 830WCCO, the day before Julie Weisenhorn's birthday. <laughs> this is kind Woo-hoo! of the, op- the opening act for your big day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday tomorrow. Thank you. We won't see you tomorrow, so happy nope, birthday. thanks a lot. Yeah, you're going to celebrate? Uh, well, yeah, my folks are coming down today All and, right. uh, going to probably eat out a lot. Why not? I might have some sushi tomorrow. Kind of okay. kind of thing. You like that bait, yeah, do maybe you? Carl will take me out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the bait thing. Run over to the bait shop, pick up some dinner. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope it's a great day for Thanks. you. It should be nice weather-wise. Yeah, yeah, and happy birthday to my buddy Gary Kobus. He's our bass player, banjo player extraordinaire. Also master gardener. How about and a that? Beekeeper. Yeah, we share a birthday along with uh, Uma Thurman and Willie Nelson and Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Are they going to be joining you tomorrow? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, we could have a great jam. <laughs> well, we're among, uh, besides birthdays, we're talking uh, lawns and gardens today yes, on the at show. Last. At last we do. Yes, we can see our lawns. You know, and I noticed a lot of snow mold. Yeah, that is that, uh, is Sam, that bad news. Sam said that uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said, "Oh, that snow mold's going to be really bad." And yes, it is. And we've already had people questioning, you know, what do I do? Can I do anything? Is it going to kill my lawn? And and the short answer is no, it won't kill the lawn. And you can very gently rake it up. But if you're allergic to mold or sensitive ah, at all, you should wear a mask or a bandana over point. your nose to keep those um, snow mold. Uh, to keep that mold out of your out of your uh, as we start getting rain, Julie, will that kind of help that situation? Well, actually, I think it's more air circulation and sunlight. So ah, the more we get, sure, the, that makes sense. The, the, as things open up and and you get those blades, uh, just rake them up a little bit, real gently, and that will help to get light and air to uh, those blades and hopefully get rid of that snow mold. All right. Well, we're here to help you. Julie is uh, from the University of Minnesota Extension. If you uh, have a question, you can call it in or text it in. As you can see, Julie, we already have callers and texters. Wow. One line is open if you want to fill it. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number or text Julie at 81807. All right, let's see who's been waiting already. Bill is calling from Victoria. Bill, you're on with Julie. Thank you very much for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I called last week because all of our arborvitae had been bent down the midgets or whatever, one of the ones, they told me to tie them up with pantyhose. I got the pantyhose and tied them up. Monday, they look better than they ever have. But how long do I leave the pantyhose on if I'm going to be lucky? I think just uh, you could probably take them down pretty soon. Um, but just maybe maybe untie a couple of them and see how they hold up. 
once we get into the warmer weather, they'll start really uh, reaching for uh, more sun and, and uh, drying out the soil, start drying out too. So kind of test it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Take a, and, and you may want to do a little bit of uh, shearing. If you've had any broken branches in particular, you want to take, uh, take some of those off. And, and maybe, the, maybe there's a little excess foliage on parts of that that you want to just gently shear off. Okay, very good. Good luck, Bill. Thank you. Ron is next on CCO. Ron, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. Is it too early to grow grass seed? Uh, well, I was just looking that up because I knew somebody would ask about grass <laughs> seed. <laughs> and uh, essentially, when the air temperature is about 55 degrees, that's when we're going to get our shoot growth. So that's when the, the blades will actually grow. You can put the seed down, uh, but I think we want to wait. Uh, right now, our lawns are quite... Uh, damp and there's a lot of water in the soil. Things, even ice, is still coming out of our soil. And so, putting grass seed down, you by walking on your lawn, you're going to start to compact that soil down. It's going to make it harder to grow. So, if you want to just hold off for maybe a week or so until things dry out, and uh, and your lawn isn't quite so spongy and wet, and then you can put some seed down. All right, you can good. get some raking done then too. Right now, it's just too early to rake. It's everything is too wet. And you're going to end up damaging your grass plants. Very good. Yeah, a lot of folks are antsy to get out there and doing that. It's always that way. It is. But this year in particular. (laughs) All right, Ron, thank you. Mac is calling from Minneapolis. Mac, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, We have a naughty puppy named Zippy that chews the (laughs) branches off of our beautiful pyramidal arborvitae tree on the bottom. Kind of a mess and wondering... What uh, can we expect any regrowth down there, or there's some damaged branches also? What we should do to keep the trees healthy, if it's possible. Okay. Some of the bark is missing off the trunk too. Well, I am just I am just chuckling over the naughty puppy Zippy just to start with. <laughs> um, first of all, any branches that have been chewed off, if they're if they've really, uh, I would go and take a pruner and and prune them nice and sharp and get a nice clean cut there instead of having these shredded branches. Um, you may want to just create, I don't know how big your arborvitae are, but if it's reasonable and logical, if you can actually put just a low fencing around it to keep Zippy out of there uh, until those plants can recover. With arborvitae, they're really a great landscape plant. And you can, uh, you can just treat them with an evergreen fertilizer about once a year. Uh, and uh, you can do that up until uh, now is a good time when they're going to be actively growing and putting out some new growth. You can also do that up to about mid-July or so. And uh, and then if you can just kind of exclude Zippy from that area and let those plants recover a little bit, that would be great, and he'll outgrow that hopefully over time. <laughs> Zippy, I like that. Usually it's rabbits, but I like Zippy. Yeah. He sounds right, like man. a cute dog. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, Mac, thank you. Sue is next, uh, calling from Oak Grove. Uh, Sue, you're on CCO with Julie. Poor Zippy. <laughs> <laughs> Got a question about Sienna bulbs. Oh, yes. Um, I yes. think those are the tall the tall ones with the red blossoms. Is that correct? Yeah, they have like big banana leaf kind of big. Kind yeah, of are they great. perennial? Well, they aren't perennial. If you leave them outside in your garden or in a, a container, they'll die over the winter. But you can take them in uh, to, uh, say, a cool location, a, a heated garage or something, you know, that's maybe 45, 50 degrees, and keep them over the winter and then bring them back out. Mine, I just did that the other day to mine. 
And I left mine in their uh, containers that they were planted in, put them in the garage. It's 45 degrees. Brought them out and started watering them. And uh, and they should start to bloom as things warm up. It's still kind of chilly for them, but uh, as the temperatures get warmer, they'll start to emerge. I want to make mention, Julie, and listeners, that By the Yard sponsors the show. The good Thank folks you. down near Jordan, Minnesota. In fact, that's their open house today. Well, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what. If you head down 169, you're going to taste some of the best hot dogs in the whole world right there. All right. We'll talk more about that coming up. But here's a text, Julie. Darn, they start. I suppose I'm too late to trim my gooseberry bush now that I see little buds out. Suddenly they're here. I know. Isn't that something? You could go in there, and if you've got some really big branches that are not productive, that don't have buds on them, you might want to. You could take out a little bit of it to just thin it out. It's tough to prune a gooseberry. They're sharp, and, you know, they're a bramble, and, boy, they've got a lot of uh, spikes and thorns on them. But uh, yeah, you want to leave you want to leave them alone till you can harvest those gooseberries. Then you could do some pruning. Okay. Before we take a quick break, it says good morning. Two questions today: Is it too early to cut back lambs here that we did not get done last fall? Also, is now the correct time to update our mulch? Happy birthday, by the way. Well, thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, you could cut that lambs ear back. It's probably looking pretty ragged. And you want to clean it up anyway because new plants are going to emerge from uh, from the roots at the in the soil. So uh, yes, you can cut that lamb's ear back. And uh, what was the other part of the question? I'm sorry. Uh, do the mulch? Oh, do, do, uh, is you, it too early? I think I would probably just wait on that. Uh, partly because you're going to start to see things emerge, and you may have forgotten where you planted something. Um, but uh, let the one thing about putting mulch down too early is that it. Mulch will actually prevent the soil or or slow the soil thaw. So leaving mulch off and uh, until the soil warms up uh, is it's, that's going to be a lot better, and it's going to warm up faster without the mulch on it. So just kind of hang tight on that. Okay, you hang tight too, Julie. We'll take a quick break here. Invite our listeners. I see a line open. If you want to phone in your lawn or garden questions, six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. We'll get back to both in just a moment. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCCO, brought to us by our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture. The birthday girl. Can I say that? Is that <laughs> yeah, all right if I say ahead. that? Okay. I mean, hey, the birthday girl's got a big message for everybody. What's uh, that? Well, I, I really encourage everybody to take a look at our website and take a look at, in particular, the Yard and Garden News, which is our, uh, comes out, we're publishing on it all the time, but it's our, kind of our, holding place for all things current that we're seeing in our different avenues of horticulture. So right now, and for example, uh, Michelle Grabowski, our plant pathologist, has a good uh, short article reminding people not to prune oaks right now. Do not prune your oaks until next fall because did you know that oak wilt affects all oaks? It also will kill a red oak in four weeks. Wow. And and white oaks will decline over years. So that is really, really important. And then also uh, Jeff Hahn, our entomologist, has just highlighted that it is now tick season. Mm-hmm. So be sure to be dressing properly if you're out. Uh, if you're a morel hunter like I am, be sure you're putting on long pants, you're wearing um, you know, some kind of a, a DEET or some kind of product like that, and uh, and be careful when you're out there in the woods. And if you're working with any kind of your log pile, if you're reorganizing your log pile for the summer or you're picking up sticks or anything outside, be sure that you're wearing something to protect yourself from ticks. Good idea. 
Yeah, we're already getting reports of yeah, uh, there's folks my PSA. seeing them. All that. That's good. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> that's the right thing. All right, it Public is. Public service announcement. That's yeah. exactly it. You got it. Uh, Lois is uh, calling in from New Hope, I believe. Uh, Lois, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning, and then happy birthday, Julie. Hey, thanks. Yeah, um, I, I turned on my radio when uh, the previous, one of the previous ladies was talking about um, seeding um, the lawn. I have just spots that I need to reseed, and um, my son worked for a, a golf course uh, okay. or a country club, whatever, but they put the seed in good soil, and then they put it in, not, not like mine where I have spots. So uh, which is the better way, just putting the seed on top of the soil or mix it in with soil? Well, the important thing with seed, whenever you're seeding something, is soil-to-seed contact. So mixing it into a, a quality topsoil and then, and then just, just very thinly seeding those spaces, that's perfectly fine. You might want to do a little roughing up of your soil so that it actually will take into, you know, and grow into the existing soil as well. But that's, that's great. It also kind of covers it up for a little bit from birds. Mm. So, you know, they get out there. They like eating that grass seed. Yeah, but, it's food. But it sometimes will deter them a bit. Good deal. Thanks, Lois. 651-989-9226. Let's go to Monticello. Maggie is there. Maggie, good morning. You're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Um, is it too early to put uh, crabgrass preventer on? You want to wait on the pre-emergent and any uh, also uh, broadleaf um, herbicide, anything. But pre-emergent for crabgrass, you want to just wait until just a couple more weeks. We need things to warm up. We need our lawns to dry out. And uh, so just kind of hold off for a, a week or two. Texter wants to know, Joe, I know what your answer is going to be. Is it too early to use the mower to clean up the yard? Yeah, just hang out uh, and, and wait uh you know, until things dry out a little bit more. You'll start to compact down uh, your soil otherwise. And uh, also with the mower, sometimes, depending on how big your mower is, you can create wheel ruts in your uh, if, in your soil when it's too wet. That's true. Never thought about that. And so you, you mentioned pre-emergent, but one texture says, when can we put on fertilizer? Fertilizer, you want to wait also until about mid-May. So okay. uh, just a couple weeks. And, uh, and be sure to read your packaging, too, because that's going to tell you... Uh, you know, how much to put down and uh, and what temperature it becomes active. You'll also want to water it in. And right now, if you water it into your grass, it's going to be really, really wet. Yeah. So just just make sure that your lawns are drying out okay. and thawing out, too. Some of them still have ice on them. Isn't that something? Yeah. You don't want to put any fertilizer in anything frozen. All right. It's uh, Let's look at the phones here, and then we'll get back to the text. Mike in Burnsville is on CCO with Julie. Hi, Mike. Yes. Yes, I'm here. Go ahead. Good morning. Okay, I planted onions last week. Um, what's the pro and con of planting them so early? I noticed when I till the gardens, some onion plants have survived very well all winter. They fail to pick them up in the fall. Right. They're ready to grow in the spring. Yeah. Um, I think the one uh, concern I would have about planting too early for onions, and, and to be honest, every every year somebody asks me an onion question, and I am not a very good onion resource. <laughs> but my concern might be just that if we, if it, the soil is wet or if we get a lot of rain that you might, the bulbs might actually start to rot. That would just be my one concern. But um, sounds like you're an experienced onion grower. Uh, we do have a great publication on onions that's on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden, and uh, it's under our vegetable section. And so that you might want to take a look at that. But um, that would be my only concern at this point is that they might we might get a lot of rain or something and it might get a little bit wet, okay. too wet for them.
Before we take a quick break, uh, I have Texter says significant lawn damage from voles. How do I repair and prevent? Can you prevent? Yeah, it's hard to prevent voles. Um, Probably mowing your lawn in the fall so that it's not, you don't have a lot of uh, taller grass. Also, keeping grass uh, cut more, you know, cut short around trees so that they're not having this cover. You want to eliminate the cover so that they that they're a little bit skittish about being out in your yard. But you know, they go underneath snow, and there's not much to do about them. You can't trap them. There's not much for uh, 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 rodenticides or you know any kind. You don't really want to be putting out poison bait and that kind of thing. So um, probably keeping your lawn cut shorter toward the end of next year. Um, before uh, before winter is going to be, you know, probably your best bet at there. And protecting trees, um, as far as for prote- as far as for repairing their damage now, is if you've got tunnels, then uh, you'll want to kind of flatten those tunnels down. And then also, you may have to particular in that if they've been eating any of the grass or anything like that. So. Okay. Yeah, you they're tricky what? little buggers. They are. They're small. And they're different than moles, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're different than moles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you missed calling Julie uh, or texting, 651-989-9226. Text number again, 81807. 43 degrees. We'll be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show brought to us by By the Art. Every week here in the 8 o'clock hour, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M uh, Extension here. Good morning. day before her birthday. And you can send <laughs> gifts. I'm sure she'd be willing to get it next week. That's uh, all right. No <laughs> gifts required. Okay. You, you, audience members, are my gift. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, we've got to get an awe oh, Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero. So I tell you what, we have so many calls and so many yeah. texts. Really, let's get to it. Loaded up there. Audrey in Bloomington has been waiting there. Hi, Audrey. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I had two beautiful fifteen-year-old arborvitas in my front yard. Wow. And my friendly. Deer from the river came up and decided mm. to munch on them, yes. and they ate all the leaves from the ground halfway up. Right. Now, is there anything I can do to, like, put repellent on them or fertilizer and hope that they'll come back or what? Well, it, it depends how severe they've eaten, and if they've created kind of a mushroom shape to those shrubs, it's going to be hard to get them to come back um, just because they've done such significant damage but you can always try especially because they're so old and they have been really healthy it sounds like up until now so uh to be honest nothing beats a big fence but i'm sure you don't want to fence them um there are repellents for deer and the key to those repellents is uh to put them on early and to change them about every month or so um just to keep those deer guessing and you want to choose a commercial repellent and apply it properly. You may have to reapply it after it rains. And uh, those deer, you know, even if even if the deer are, um, even if their repellent is on there and the deer are starving or they're very very intrigued or they're very hungry, they will still might you still might have them feeding on them. So um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a a little bit hit or miss with deer. And uh, but you want to start with those repellents right away, and apply them as as directed, and reapply them as needed. 
And and I think for your plants, mm-hmm. I would probably give them a dose of a good uh, uh, evergreen fertilizer and make sure that they stay watered through the season so that they can be as, as stress-free as possible and hopefully they'll leaf back out. But they'll always have kind of a weird shape probably, hmm. a little bit odd. That's too bad. Yeah. Those critters do eat a lot. They do, and they create these mushroom-shaped because they eat up as high as their heads will go. Oh, yeah. And then they can't go any higher. And so you get these mushroom-shaped trees. Oh, yeah, interesting. Trees. Yeah. All right, Audrey, good Sorry luck. about that. Marlis is calling from Lakeville. Marlis, you're on with Julie on CCO. Good morning. Enjoy your show so much. Thank you. I have an amaryllis, which was gifted to me about five years ago, and I've been seeing it through. What do you know? But this year it threw me a ringer. <laughs> <laughs> I put it out in the summer. When it comes in in the fall, as the leaves die, I clip them off and put them in a brown, put the uh, plant in a brown bag and let it rest for a month or two in a closet. Looked down, saw something red, thought I dropped a mitten or something, and went down. Here is a flower. Oh, my goodness. A red flower. Here it is under the boot bench. My husband had to unscrew the doors to get the thing open, get it out, so that this big, long stem, <laughs> up to a foot long, yeah. with the blooms on it, is coming out. Put it on the table, and it bloomed beautifully. But its little sister plant that was born last year and bloomed, it has not bloomed, and the other one's done blooming. It, it's thrown up. The one that bloomed <laughs> unexpectedly has nothing on it, you know, uh, yep. because it all it th- we threw up no leaves, just okay. this just this flower stalk, no leaves. It's it looks like it's alive. It feels firm and all. Sure. And the and the sister one has not bloomed at all. What's going on in that pot? Do I need to separate them? <laughs> well, I think the important thing is to get them back outside this summer and uh, just keep them as healthy as you can. Uh, those those plants will. I mean, it put up a lot of energy when it put that bloom up in the dark, and so it's probably a little bit slow to leaf out. As far as a younger plant, it's probably just too young right now to bloom. But uh, just keep them healthy. You might want to separate them and and repot them. That would be fine and. Um, but get them outside this summer and, and keep them watered and, and see what happens next fall. Very good. I want to get back to some text messages too, uh, Julie, but uh, Ruth is calling from Stillwater, I believe, with a question. Go ahead, Ruth. Good morning, Julie. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have a lot of brush on the hill in my backyard under my red pines. Okay. If I cut down that brush, is there anything I can spray to prevent them from regrowing and at the same time will not hurt my red pines? I think the better thing to do, uh, if, if you can, is to start by treating the larger brush, the, th- the, uh, the bigger trunks, uh, just <clears throat> directly with some kind of a brush killer, um, an herbicide. So you want to go to your garden center and find something that's for brush, for woody brush. And I would treat them with a paintbrush or a sponge, you know, one of those spongy paintbrush things. And uh, and just treat them individually and try to get the big ones out of there first. Uh, as far as broadcasting a spray, I would not do that because that may affect the rest of your you know your more desirable plants. Uh, and then you'd want to try to think about uh, once you're getting you want to outcompete that brush that's there. So as the brush dies, think about what you might want to put on that hillside. It might be something like uh, grasses. It could be a mixture for pollinators. It might be some uh, shrubs like American plum that would be great for um, for pollinators as well as being a native plant. Gray dogwood, red dogwood, a number of different things like that. So you basically want to reforest your slope with whatever it is, whether it's a low-growing herbaceous plant or it's or a collection of those plants or it's also some shrubs as well. Okay, very good. Let's uh, grab some text messages, Julie. 
Uh, hello there. I moved a few pots of geraniums in the house last fall. Can I move them back outside yet? I would probably wait, and I'll tell you why, because I moved mine out, and I think I killed them. Oh. <laughs> it got a little chilly over by my house, and I would just wait a little bit. If you've got them in the house, keep them in a sunny window, and wait till our mm-hmm. evening temperatures are around in the, you know, uh, probably 60 degrees, 60, 65, or something like that. So just a little bit longer. Memorial Day is always kind of a good rule of thumb for when you can start to acclimate your indoor plants outside. Very good. Uh, does the U, Texas says, have a soil test kit? We do not, they don't have a soil test kit uh, necessarily. There are some little bags that they've printed over the years, but all you need is a a, a plastic bag, a Ziploc type bag, uh, and you can download their form. It's a two-page form. The front side you fill out, the back side is instructions on how to take a soil sample, and then you can just drop that off over on the St. Paul campus or you can mail it into them. What does it cost? Do you recall? 17 bucks. 17 bucks. That's for a standard soil test. That'll give you texture... Uh, pH, uh, advice on uh, the the fertilizer analysis for whatever it is that you're going to be doing or what whether you're planting shrubs or lawn or vegetables, and then also some just really good general advice about um, organic matter, incorporating that, so that would be compost or peat or something like that. Okay. I have, Texas is very large Norfolk pine. Someone gave me, can this be put outside for the summer? It takes up a lot of space in the house. Yeah, it takes up a lot of space. Um, those uh, plants do well in bright light. Uh, you'll want to acclimate it slowly, so you'll want to put it into a shady, protected spot first and then gradually increase the amount of light that it gets. You want to be careful not to burn it, not to sunburn it, because it's been in the house for so long now. Um, and when you bring it in in the fall, you want to uh, think about, if it's possible, that's the time to repot it. If it's in a pot that's too small right now, that would be a good time to repot it is when it's outside. Uh, and then really check it over for insects. You might want to treat it before you bring it in the house. That's hard to do on a big plant, but um, but you don't want to bring it in and have a bunch of aphids on it or mites or something like that. So Okay. Is it too early to put down straw bales on the grass for our garden? Yeah, I would wait. And remember that when you put those straw bales on the grass, you're going to kill the grass. So maybe you don't care. um, But remember, you could put straw bales also on hard surfaces, too. Or if you have a mulched area, you can do that. And uh, Joel Karsten is the uh, guru of straw bale gardens. He has an excellent book out there. I've used it for uh, when I tried straw bale gardening in our kids' garden on campus a couple of years ago. And that's a great resource. So I would advise you to pick that book up if you haven't. But then also uh, think about where you want to locate that. You need optimal sun for those. And and, um, and there's a little bit of uh, you know treatment for those straw bales, too, to get those uh, activated for whatever you're going to put in them. Okay. Texter wants to know, can you rake hostas off now? Um, you don't do that, do you? You just kind of let them happen, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I'll i go in and I'll cut back if I've got, like, big leaves that are laying down over yeah. everything else. I'll I'll kind of cut those back. You could do that. You could poke around and kind of clean some of that off. Um, hopefully we won't be having any cold freezes. And I know sometime, in some cases the hostas are coming up, so you should probably be able to. They're pretty tough plants. Somebody may have joined uh, your question late, but is it too early to put down crabgrass preventer? Just give it a couple more weeks. We're a couple weeks behind with our temperatures, and and we want to uh, put it down when it's going to be most effective. Okay. Nelson in Watertown is next on the phone. Nelson, you're on with Julie. 
Happy, happy birthday to my garden girl, Julie. Hope <laughs> this very special day brings you no more weeds. How about that? <laughs> wow, thank he, you. I've never he, he, remembers me, Casey, yeah. he remembers Casey Jones. I remember song. Casey Jones and Roundhouse Rodney yes. and Granny Lumpet. <laughs> not old, Julie, to remember Casey. Like Denny and me to old farts. I remember, I watched Casey. I watched it at lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Julie is. Um, I saw him on the on a boat in Pearl Harbor. He was smoking a cigarette. Roger was. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, we oh. were. Uh, my brothers and I were appalled. <laughs> and he had glasses on, which was weird. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, Nelson, did you have a question? We, what was your question, we Nelson? Yep, the question is: uh, My uh, how does uh, grass uh, golf courses get such dense grass on their greens? Can I buy that seed or do something different with grass seeding? Oh, I wish Sam was here to answer that. I know that the grass seed that they use on greens is a specialized grass seed. It is not something that we want to be growing in our lawns necessarily. It's not. Uh, it, it's a, a very fine grass, and um, boy, that's about all I know about it. Um, I would. What I'd suggest is that you look at the area that you're going to be seeding, or if you want to thicken up your lawn, and consider uh, different ways that you can, you know, the kind of grass species that you want. Um, for example, if you have a, a a very shady area, that might be an area not to seed with grass, but to think about putting a different kind of ground cover. Maybe you're going to mulch and put some perennials, some shade perennials there. That's particularly under trees. But if you have a sunny area and then you want to pick a mix that's going to grow well there. Sam is a fan of fine fescue. I added some of that to my lawn. And fescues uh, green up later than our Kentucky bluegrass, but they also are more drought tolerant. And they will also tolerate a little bit of shade. So if you have a part shade lawn area, that might be something to choose. But analyzing the site that you have, the amount of light, the kind of soil you have, the kind of activity that you have on the lawn, they're all important to choosing the right grass species. That's the number one thing to, cho- to decide. But I don't think the green, the grass they use on greens is appropriate for our lawns. I think you're right. I think Sam I think mentioned it's a, that. it's a rye type of rye grass Not sure. We'll get, we'll get Sam yeah. on that case. Yeah. All right. We need to take a break here on the show. We'll have more show to come, so don't go away. We have callers. We have texters as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more here on Smart Garden on CCO. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. And we have, boy, Julie, as usual, a lot of callers and a lot of textures. Let's cover as many as we possibly can before we uh, let you take your leave. Ed is calling from Worthington with a question. Ed, you're on CCO with Julie. Hello there, Julie. Good morning. Morning. Um, I heard Calvinor to put on rhubarb plants. how deep can I put that over those nubbins that are sprouting? I, I think I would probably uh, put on maybe a, not not a ton of it. I would probably put a, maybe incorporate a, an inch or half inch. It really depends on, uh, you know, your type of soil. And if you've got a, if you've been adding things all along, incorporating other types of amendments. But I would just I kind of work it into the soil around the plants. I wouldn't put it over the plants. Um, because they're starting to emerge now, and that's that's what you want. So just work it into the soil a little bit, uh, top dress around it a little bit. That w- I think that would probably work. Again, uh, Julie, for those that uh, joined us a little bit late, we we started talking about the show, but that w- what's that white st- web-like substance that Texter says covering our grass? Oh yeah, so that's snow mold, and snow mold is prevalent this year. We've had so much snow, and it's been uh, very heavy wet snow. 
snow mold accumulates or becomes worse when we have high humidity in our grasses. And, uh, and so the, the, the best way to deal with it is to expose it to light and air. It won't kill your grass. It doesn't look so great. But uh, you can, if your lawn is drying out, you can get out there and just do a little bit of gentle raking of those areas to raise the grass blades and expose them, kind of un, you know, unweb them. And, uh, and once they get air and they also get uh, light in there, that will help um, alleviate the issues with the snow mold. If you're allergic to mold or sensitive to that, be sure to wear a mask or a bandana over your nose and mouth so that you don't breathe in any of those mold spores. That will help. Um, with your with stuffiness and and chest issues. Yeah, good idea. Alice is calling from beautiful Lindstrom this morning. Alice, you're on with Julie. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to yeah. you. Happy birthday, dear Julie. Happy birthday to you. Wow, this I, is great. <laughs> I have uh, mums that are coming up, and they're about inch, about an inch and a half, maybe. Tall, and I had them covered with mulch. We faced the south mm. side of my house. Okay. And um, shall I just keep them growing and maybe pinch them back? Exactly. Or should I just keep them growing? I would keep them growing and then pinch them back, yeah, so that you don't want them to bloom too soon. You want them to get nice and bushy. Otherwise, they'll be kind of long and spindly possibly. So, yeah, pinch them back. And you can also sing to them, if you like. Yeah, you have an excellent voice. <laughs> Thanks, Alice. We have okay. a lot of good uh, publications on mums because mum breeding was one of the was a big part of our floriculture program and still is um, uh, a favorite of our faculty member, Neil Anderson. And so, mm. uh, yeah, take a look at our mum information on the website as well at extension.umn.edu. And go to garden, click on garden, go to yard garden, and click on flowers. And watch for some new changes. We're going to actually be releasing a new uh, a kind of revamped um, look to our website oh. that I think is going to be much easier for you all to find the information. <laughs> and I won't have to give so many instructions every day. So oh, good. I'm going to have to get my patter down for uh, when I come back. So <laughs> You let us know when the, yeah, all that changes. Yeah, it should be around mid, uh, I think, middle of May or... Um, Third week of May or so. Okay. All right. Watch for that. Barbara's calling from Minneapolis on this Saturday morning. Go ahead, Barbara. Hi there, and happy birthday to you. Thank um, you. I have endless summer hydrangea that I didn't do anything with last fall. I couldn't get out. Uh, there's even flower heads on it. Can I cut it back now, and how far back would it go? Yeah, so endless summer blooms on both old and new wood. That's what I didn't know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. so you can take those flower heads down to uh, a viable bud. So you want to look for the buds that are that are kind of fat, and they're probably kind of a dark reddish, pinkish, greenish color. <laughs> Not a very good description. And just cut it right, cut right above it. And you can think about the size of, you know, kind of get them all the same size so the plant will flush out to a nice uh, kind of rounded shape. All right. Let's see. Sharon and Bloomington may be our last caller this morning. Hi, Sharon. Hi there. Hi, Sharon. I would like to know how to identify buckthorn. Oh, great. And what to do with it. And I, I'm going to hang up and run to my other radio, run to my radio. And listen. Okay. Sounds good. So buckthorn is one of our uh, noxious weeds in Minnesota and other states, too. It looks a lot like um, uh, cherry bark. People think sometimes it's a type of a cherry, but it's not. It's It's got a gray, shiny, very attractive bark, actually, with uh, little white dots called lenticels. But the one of the key features about buckthorn 
is that it is the last green plant in our landscape in the fall. And the leaves hang on that tree, and they stay green for a long time. So in the fall, it's a great time, and even into the winters, to identify it. Uh, It also has a little pair of crossed thorns at the tip of the branches. There's a male plant that produces no fruit, and there's a female plant that produces black uh, cherry-like fruit. And sometimes it's confused also with choke cherry. So don't be eating anything that you don't know what it is because uh, it's very cathartic and uh, you can be very sick from uh, eating buckthorn. Uh, so when you find it, uh, you want to cut it off or pull it out. The young seedlings actually pull out pretty easily. and uh, But the bigger, woodier stems, you want to cut them out and then treat that stump with a stump or a woody plant uh, killer. So some kind of an herbicide that's specially designed for buckthorn. It'll probably say it right on the label. It's a very uh, popular thing to be out there uh, eradicating. Uh, Our Minnesota Department of Agriculture has excellent information as well as the DNR, and so does our extension site under um, uh, some of the pest management information. So uh, it is a really difficult plant to get rid of. Pretty prolific, isn't it? Very prolific, very prolific. And in some cases, it it, uh, takes over big woodland areas around people's houses, and they're concerned about, uh, you know, what to do. You kind of have to decide where you're, how far you're going to go into that woodland uh, to try to get rid of it. Sometimes people try to get rid of all of it, and they drive themselves insane. So, (laughs) but do the best you can, certainly. So yeah, and you're right. You wait till uh, almost winter, you'll still see some green. Yeah, you'll still see green, and that's it. Yep, it's very competitive, and it will outcompete a lot of our native woodland plants. And so you want to be careful with that. We're out of time. Wow. Happy birthday tomorrow. Hey, thanks, everyone. Nice birthday wishes. And uh, (laughs) I'm not sure who's going to be here next week. Teresa will be here next week. uh, with Susie Jones, who's filling in uh, while we're in Sonoma. you're going to Sonoma. Sonoma. Well, you have a great uh, birthday celebration. What's that website again? Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab. Go to Yard and Garden. And uh, watch for a new-looking website in the next few weeks. Good deal. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.